Welcome to Pictures Up, the podcast where we discuss careers in film and ultimately help people figure out how to transition from being interested in a career in film to actually having a career in film. If you're wondering what the title means, on a film set, when the assistant director calls rehearsals up, that means it's time to rehearse. When rehearsal is over and it's actually time to film, the assistant director calls pictures up. And that means... Rehearsal's done, it's time to get serious, and it's time to film. Similarly, this podcast is about transitioning from being interested in a career in film into actually having a career in film. Today, I'm talking with Wells Smith, who is a uh, a very accomplished key grip. And if you've ever wondered what a key grip actually does, uh, well, you're going to find out in this episode. Wells has worked on movies such as uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Uh, The Pelican Brief, True Lies, The Client, Exit to Eden, The Guardian, Now You See Me, Deja Vu, uh, many, many more. He's got a a list of IMDb credits about uh, as long as your arm, and he's got about as many stories to tell as he has film credits. Uh, I think you're going to really enjoy today's episode. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. We are sitting here outside the local, is it 478? Local 478. In uh, in New Orleans. What part of town are we in? Uh, I think this is called uh, Mid-City. Mid-City. Mid-City, right. New Orleans. Yeah. We're not very far from the... Uh, from the fairgrounds, actually, where the um, you know the big music festival and all that okay. stuff takes place. Well, thank you for taking time to uh, sit down with My me pleasure. today. And you've already introduced me to uh, a bunch of folks. Uh, involved with the industry here so thank you when i thought about the idea of doing this project you were one of the first people i thought of as thinking that uh it'd be fun to sit down and talk with <laughs> i have um i've been doing this a long time and i have many many stories i could tell you <laughs> some of them are good and some of them we're not going to even no, i'm not even going to talk about but you know <laughs> I guess just to sort of start get start things rolling. Um, what hat do you wear usually on, when you're on a film set? I am a key grip. Okay. And my department is a key grip. We're in charge of all the camera cranes, camera dollies. Anytime the camera's moving, mounting the cameras on cars, whatever, uh, motorcycles. Uh, that's our department. We also we control the shadows. Yeah. Because when it comes to lighting. You know, the electricians put up the ugly lights, and then what we do is we take them and we, we shape the light. Yes. And there's a, there's, to be a grip, it, it covers a lot of territory, actually. Yeah. There's not any department on the set that does not come to us for something at one point in time or another during the course of filming. We will work with, even down to the caterers. On the last show we did, the caterers screwed up their steps coming out of their truck. They asked us to build them new steps. We did. <laughs> you always make friends with the caterers because you don't want, you know, they, get, they, they feed you. <laughs> right. So were these, I don't want to get too diverted, but were these, what were the steps made out of? Just were plywood. They, okay. You know, uh, they, 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 normally we just give them an apple box, but they had a set of steps because it, it was a, a high truck. And so it was two steps, and so they they were old, rotten. They about busted their ass coming out of the truck one day, and they asked, you know, can y'all think y'all could fix our steps? And I looked at them and went, yeah, 
no, we can't fix those, but we can build you a new one. You know, <laughs> do you a lot better. And so we did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So you, you mentioned earlier about uh, shadows, and I believe I understand what you're saying there, but I'm not sure everybody listening will. I've heard, I've heard a term, the, the electricians make the light and the grips take it away. Yes. Yeah. So, right. so what you're talking about is that you, with flags and scrims and uh, diffusers and rice waters and if you set up a light and then you don't want the light to hit the back wall then there you use a solid cutter uh, of we have various sizes of them that to achieve that and we use c stands to do that a c stand is a century stand it's century meaning that it's got a hundred (laughs) uses everything that we do is usually revolved around uh, a C stand. You mentioned that you are a key grip. Can you tell us how that uh, is different from anybody else in the grip department? Who are the people who well, work in the grip department? Um, okay, well, the, the key grip is the head of the department. Yes, yeah, so department then, head. Yes. And so then, you're in uh, charge. Yes, I, I, I'm the boss. Yeah. And so then I have working for me my best boy grip, who is my right-hand man, uh, and Ryan Watson and I have been together now for, I guess, about five years working together. I don't think I could do a show without him. Hmm. The best boy, he takes care of all the paperwork, makes sure that all the equipment gets on the truck, is all accounted for. If we have various camera cranes coming in, uh, he'll make sure that it gets to the location. <laughs> I always like to say Ryan's actually the boss. I'm just here, you know. And I, I, I'm just telling people what the hell to do. And uh, but then, so there's the best boy grip. Then there's the dolly grip, who's in charge of running the the dolly, putting the camera on the dolly, and making sure that the track is set properly and so forth. And then uh, you have your first company grip, who is the guy who makes sure that when all the carts are stacked up against the wall, everything's goes back and forth and is in and is taken care of and and you just don't want to have gear spread out all over your set yeah i've seen that happen more than once <laughs> yes and because then at the end of the day you're like well where the devil did that go no you got to have it everything in a in in and somebody's responsible for that and so i usually your first company grip and uh on a on a typical show it would be me, a best boy, dolly grip, and probably the three or four grips. That, and then we take care of everything that needs to be done in the grip department at that point. So how, how many people overall? Well, uh, probably seven. Okay. In the department itself. Gotcha. Okay. I like to have four grips because if you're setting up, let's say you're setting up a 20 by. Yeah. Well, if I got two guys working over here and I need to have a 20 by set up over here that's a two-man operation having an odd man crew doesn't work well somebody always has to break off from whatever they're doing to go do and, and, and help out to go set something up but nine times out of ten you know the producers are going well you know we just don't have the money for that you know and we, uh, you know and I love producers that come up you know at the beginning of a show you'll have a UPM unit production manager They'll come in. Well, you know, we've got you sca- uh, scheduled to um, for three people. Your rigging crew is going to have X amount of days and this and that. And I go, we haven't even scouted the locations. How can you tell me what I need? 
And they all look at me, well, this is what we've got in our budget. And I'm going, well, you, but you don't know what your director wants. You don't know what your DP wants on a location. Once we scout, I'll tell you what I need. And then they hem and haw, and usually I like to tell them at this point, I'll go, you know what? I really don't need any of these people. I can do this all by myself, but it's going to take a while. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh. And so uh, I usually get my way because, again, I am here to help you. I don't need any of this stuff. All I need is an Apple box and an 1824 solid to keep the sun out of my eyes, and I'll sit my ass on the Apple box. I don't need all the rest of this equipment that you got out here, all right? <laughs> you need this equipment to make your show, not me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that sometimes flies. And usually Ryan is the uh, my best boy. He's He has to make friends with the people in the office yeah at production accounting and all that kind of stuff and so he's usually the diplomat right and so when stuff like this starts he'll take me and he'll he, he makes me go sit over in the corner and then he goes and takes care of he talks to him because i'm i'm pretty rough around the edges i mean i know i'm here to do a job i love my job i've been doing this a long time and i just don't put up with a lot of bullshit after a while well you know it's interesting because what you were saying you're talking about connecting reality with resources yeah right that's i mean you're saying mm -hmm. we haven't even scouted a location i don't know what the director dp wants you know like you, how right. can you you know how can you tell me what i need right and if you go and look at everything like i don't know experience will usually teach you that you want to work with the person who sticks up for what they need well because they know because they they're gonna know how to do the job essentially a person who doesn't know how to do the job is the most likely person to say okay i'll do it whatever way you tell me to and they, believe me there are a lot of people that try to do that yeah and uh i don't understand that when i go someplace on and, and i and i go and look at a location well i can probably tell you about four or five different ways to do this is look time is money let's you know and uh if if I got to spend the way you want it done, and I got to spend three hours doing it, but if you do it my way, I'm only going to take an hour to do it. Yeah, I'm saving you money. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know I'm not I'm not I'm not having people on the payroll, and it's not it's like when I ask for people, I go uh, again. I can literally set up a twenty by solid overhead by myself, but it's going to take me a while. Yeah. But if I yeah. got somebody working with me, okay, well, it's going to take, you know, I, give me 15 minutes that I can set the damn thing up. Right. I will work with people within their budget. I mean, there's certain camera cranes that I like to use, but their budget prohibits bringing out the one that I would like to have. But I know I can do the job for you in within your budget using this one. It's not your favorite one. But... It's not my favorite one, and, and, uh, but I do everything I can to work with them but at a point you just have to go i'm sorry but you can't do it that way uh people are almost always trying to do more than they have money for oh like, hell yes so how do you how do you strike that balance between being accommodating and just saying no enough is enough like we can, like that is stretching it too far <clears throat> i had a upm not long ago and i said tell you what come out here then if you think i can do this with what you're telling me that i'm 
I can do this with, then you come and show me how. Because I'm telling you, I can't do it with what you're telling me I got to work with. And it wasn't long the truck came out with the right gear that, that, that I needed to do the job. Right. But when you start getting into the above-the-line people, because yeah. we're, we're, my position, I, I am considered a below-the-line person. And, you know, we're, we're expendables as far as they're concerned. But nine times out of ten, those people in the office that have been, you know, crunching the numbers and doing these things, they haven't done this. They haven't gotten out and worked in the trenches with us. They haven't had to walk through, you know, uh, knee-deep mud uh, carrying gear out across some field. And then then to turn and ask me why I need, you know, a, um, a gator to get out my gear out across here. Right. They don't understand that. I did a show one time. We were up in uh, Shreveport. So we get up to this, this this racetrack, and before we get there, they're going, well, you know, it's just this one location. And so, you know, we're just going to we're gonna uh, uh, drop all the gear off so we don't have to have trucks. I was like, well, if it's just one location, okay, fine. Well, a racetrack, you know, at a, at a horse racetrack? Yeah. There's the actual racetrack. Then there's the practice track. And then there's another track over there that, you know, that they just work the horses out and all this stuff. And we're talking about a couple of square miles. Right. (laughs) And so when we got there to start scouting, I was like, what? What do you mean you want us to? No. (laughs) We have to have things here. I mean, we ended up, uh, uh, I ended up with a Lenny arm that we we kept built and, uh, which is a camera crane, right? Yeah. And um, uh, is Lenny shirt for Leonard, like Leonard Chapman? Yeah, no. Leonard Chapman. Okay, right. And um, the uh, and, and we towed it around a golf cart everywhere <laughs> we went. And I mean, we we were, we were all over this place. And I just looked at these people. I was like, you really, y'all got to be kidding, right? And so we ended up having, keeping our trucks and everything, and then uh, ended up adding. Uh, golf carts and and gators and uh, stake beds and I mean just to get because here they wanted to film on this track but then the next scene they wanted to do is over on this track it's like well how are we gonna get there you want me to just carry it on my on my back I mean you know (laughs) and so so the reality of things once you get to a location it really hits them hard yeah you know and uh, and somewhere along the line, inevitably, well, they had the money, <laughs> right? Which they didn't have when we talked to you know at the beginning of this. Yeah. And so I, I've, I've uh, my my wife used to say, yeah, yeah, there's a snafu fund, right? Yeah, that's true. Right? It's yeah, that's somewhere. Yeah. They not tell or show it to you, <laughs> but <laughs> somewhere when when it all goes to hell in a handbasket. All of a sudden, his money appears. <laughs> yeah. So they've got to be able to work. Uh, having not been on that side of the industry, I don't know. I mean. Oh, there is. There yeah. definitely is. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting. So, uh, like, I'm just interpreting what you're saying, but it sounds like what you're telling me is that if you make, basically, you have to fight for it. You have to make a compelling oh, yeah. case. You yes. make a compelling case for why you do need what you say you need. Yes. And it, it sounds like 
if and when you do, most of the time, if you're not just, uh, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, th- th- they'll accommodate you. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. And I started out in this business in, in, in television. Okay. And this is, that's what, 43 years ago or something like that. And this was before video cameras. Everything was done on film. Right. You know, all your news stories, all your little local television commercials, all that stuff, everything was done on film. We, right. had a, we actually had our own film processor inside the, oh, really? uh, uh, inside the uh, TV station. And so, I mean, I have been literally making films yeah. for over 40 years. And so then I saw the very first video cameras came out, and we all looked at each other and went, well, this will never catch on. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, technology has come a long way. It's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm still old school. But uh, after this many years of doing this, yes, you make the compelling case that I need this to do this job for you. And they'll, they, 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 they acquiesce. Yeah. Well, something that I think you're very uh, wise to point out is that it's not about what you need. It's about what they need. Yes. It's about what they need. And if whether or not you have what you need to get what they need. Yes. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's very smart. People, people usually are much better at responding when they see that what you are advocating for is getting them what they need it's like i see the director and and, and he'll he'll be doing a shot and you know i mean it's his show so that's what we're going to do but if there's something that i can do to better that shot for him i'm not opposed to going up and talking to him and go you know you know boss uh what do you think about if we did I did a show uh, some years back. Stephen Poster was the uh, DP on a damn thing. Mm -hmm. And so we were doing the opening segments uh, for this show. And and there was a raised grating on top of this roof of this building. And we were filming the, you know, the bad guys coming in and all this kind of stuff. And I have a little thing that I came up with and uh, I call it my camera skate. And I told him, I said, well, you're doing this and you're doing this. I said, uh... Stephen, what do you what do you think if we I got the camera up underneath the grate and had them as we and we and we moved the camera looking up as their feet at the grate, and he says you can do that. I said yeah I can do that. Goes, well let's go for it. So I set it up. You know it didn't take long to do, and um, and this is in my opinion the the best compliment that I could have ever re- received. Is that he says, you know, Wells, this is the um, this is the opening sequence with the credits and all that stuff. And he says, when my name rolls on the beginning credits, that's the scene I want this on. Nice. And to me, that's the highest compliment that you could give me is that I came up with a shot that you want to have your name on. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in that story. I don't know if, I mean, well, I should give my audience credit, but... Um... I think so much about the film industry is uh, realizing that you're successful when you make the person you're working for look good. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I've got, uh, um, I know people that, that well, you know, I, I got these people, they don't, they don't know what the hell they're doing, but that's all right. I got a crew, blah, blah, blah. It's not my way or the highway. 
I tell my people before, and you know, if I, I you see, I'm sitting there, and uh, you know, right there under the gun, I got the uh, DP and the director sitting there, and they, they look at me and go, "Can you do?" And I go, "Well, uh, give me a minute." And um, but if there's a problem, I want my people. If they, if you see a better way to do this, you come to me. Tell, tell me. I'm not a poet, do you know? I, this isn't this isn't a dictatorship here, right. you know. Uh, I like to surround my people that can with people that can think and know how to do their job. That's all they do is make me look good. Right. right. I mean, you know, after you you're on a TV series, you work for like maybe six, seven months on on one of these, doing thirteen episodes, and at the end of the first month. It would be like we're sitting there on the set and we're doing it. I'd be sitting there and going, you know, if I had a, and I'd turn around to say something to somebody and they were handing it to me, <laughs> I didn't even have to say it after, yeah. after a while. They knew what I was thinking when I'm sitting there and, and, and pondering over something. And that's the crew that you want to have working for you. It's really interesting that you would say that. I, I don't know if you remember this, but way back in the day, we were doing a uh, workshop of some sort there at the university, and you were helping out. And um, and we were in an auditorium there, and um, I think maybe Doug Lively, I think, was, was there also. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he set a camera position, and the camera's sort of falling into place, and like by the time like the shot was up and focused you had like a key light and a backlight and a lenser like to cut any flare like just all sort of just roughed in right you know without anybody saying anything and um i think the part about that that most surprised me is that the you had the lenser already uh yeah. set uh and uh is that the term you would use for that yes. okay yeah so yes. and for the audience that's a that's a, a flag that you would set to block lens flare from backlight. Because yeah. when you have lights pointing towards the lens of the camera, oh, oftentimes it, it, it causes uh, flare. The, um, just recently, uh, hell, it was last week, uh, doing this, we were out on location, and uh, we're doing the establishing shot of a house. And we've just got the camera sitting there. But the house next door to it had front porch these brilliant front porch lights right that were on yeah it's not in it's not in the scene yeah but from where the camera was i mean it it was throwing it was throwing uh kicks right down the bottle i mean the lens you know yeah and uh and so and and so I, i looked at it and 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 the operator goes well yeah but i don't see it and i said yeah but i see it inside the lens yeah and so instead of calling for a flag yeah i mean it was just a static shot right yeah well i just went and stood there <laughs> right off of you know this far out of frame you know a, right. a quarter of an inch off a of frame right i was the flag yeah you know that's, that's yeah. uh, <laughs> well a lot of times you know you see my hat i mean i have another hat it's a fedora that i that yeah. i'll wear it's, it's you know for rain and all that stuff and i use that here's my lenser there you go <laughs> shoot ready yeah, don't so, call for a stand flag, all that. You know that that will do the job. I'll just I'm just looking to block that light. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just for just just long enough, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If it's going to be something that we're going to do over and over and over again, 
I got the hat going, and I'm on the radio going, guys, bring me a flag and a stand. All right, right there you go. But right now, I'm rolling. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to save you time. Tell us a little bit about communication. You mentioned the radio. Oh, like, yeah. How important are radios? Um, what Do you have any tips for well, newcomers? You know what? I remember the very first radio time we ever used a radio on a set. Hmm. It used to be, you know, uh, I'd be on the set, and then let's say there's two access points to the set that you can get to. Uh, you, uh, like, you know, we're inside a building, for instance. So we'd have... I'd have a, a, a you know a, a little package set up by this set uh, th- this in- in entrance way and then another one set here and then there would be a man standing there and they would keep an eye on me and then I would turn to one of them and tell them something this is before radios and then if they didn't have it off they went back to somebody shot back to the truck to go get what we needed or I whatever see. so it's like a courier and so, yeah <laughs> and so you know that was before radios. And so then when we did, um, when I worked, I was, I was uh, uh, Bob Babbin's best boy for years. And uh, we did uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 up in Carolina. And we went and bought the, um, uh, from, from Radio Shack, the, it, it used to be the thing that you plug into your ear and when you spoke, it automatically keyed and all yes. this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we bought one for all our grips on first unit. And we had the little earpiece in, you know, and hell, you'd be walking along doing something. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, Bob would call for something. You'd, you'd stop and listen to what Bob had to say. And off we'd, people would run. I mean, I, I guess people thought we were crazy or something, you know, when <laughs> we first started doing this. But that was the very first show that we ever used radios on. And then, you know, it has become the norm now. Yeah. And I don't want to mention any names, but they, I got a couple of guys. They don't know how to shut up on a damn radio. I'm telling you, you'd be, you'd be waiting, you know, to uh, quit telling your story so I can uh, I could call for a piece of gear I need. Shut up. <laughs> but, but the, yes, it's just uh, communication is everything. So you you mentioned, you know, one of the interesting things about radios versus phone, you know, phones are generally just uh, bi-directional, like you're just talking with one person. But with mm. a radio, anybody who's keying, well, whoever keys first wins, basically. Well. <laughs> um, but how do you, like, uh, I know on sets that I've been on that you, we've had different channels for oh, different yeah. departments. Right. Uh, is that? Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, uh, grips are usually on channel eight, and that's. We always say eight for eighty because local eighty out in California, which is where you know this all basically started, right? And uh, and so grips are on eight. Uh, electricians are usually on seven. Uh, camera, um, I think they're on three. Um, the first ads um, they're on channel one and two. Mm. Um, you know. Um, uh, construction is on this channel it, it, whatever it would be pretty interesting for you to record a conversation one day on the radio because <laughs> uh and now and nowadays we all have the surveillance type headsets yes yeah so you know ain't nobody else listening to us and you wouldn't believe some of the conversations that take place on this on the radio <laughs> and 
Yes, a lot of it's sexist, and then I, but I also, but at the same time, I also have a, a couple of women that work for me as grips that, that yeah, are that are, that are excellent. I was going to ask you about that. I, yeah. I, it seems like uh, the grip department is uh, is mostly men. Yeah, uh, but it sounds like you do have some women working for yes. you. Okay, what no. what can you tell our uh, uh, our female audience about the department? Well, uh, just know this: this is a very physical job. I mean, yeah. look, uh, we have. Uh, 35 pound sandbags we call them ball busters and you know you got to pack around and let's say you want uh, uh, a chapman peewee uh, let's call it a three uh, uh dolly if you take all the accoutrement off of that the damn thing still weighs uh 255 pounds yep. and so well, let's take that to the second floor so we can set the dolly up there. And so you got to have, you know, a, a dolly party. You get four guys on it. And you got to pack that up to the second floor or usually some crummy steps that are, they aren't wide enough to do it all. Right. And uh, it's a very physical job what we do. There are a lot of women that physically can't do the job. Hmm. And I think that's the main reason you see it's a, as a, as a male-dominated uh, department. But then by the same token, uh, Erica, who works with me, she's right there. You know, you need to pick this up. I'm right here. She's right there. Michelle, she's the same way. I've just recently met another woman. Her name is Alyssa. And she's, and she's right there. I'd take them anywhere with me. I'd put, yep. them up, put them up against any grips that they want to put at me. You know, they're, 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 they're good, solid grips. woman wants to do this, I ain't opposed to having a woman on my set. You know, just know that there's going to be a lot of crass remarks come across your headset every now and then. <laughs> yes, yes, and and they're good with that, and they'll usually pitch right in and put it right back at you. You know, <laughs> just, which puts a different perspective on a lot of things that you get to say. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like there are opportunities there for women who are interested in doing oh, that yes, kind of work. Indeed. Yeah. Yes, indeed. We have a need for people in this business that that and that want to do it and this isn't about this is the film business the main word being business yeah it's a business it's not about hanging out with the movie stars and seeing what they're doing and taking pictures with them even though you know i mean i, I believe me i've had my picture taken with a lot of them but this is a business you got to treat it like a business you know you got to take it seriously you know, and I mean, I've, I I take my job very seriously. I love what I do. I can't believe they pay me money to do this half the time. You know, what's you know, your I favorite do, part? Oh, I just uh, my favorite. I, I guess the my, the the most fun I have is when we're mounting cameras on cars. Okay. And doing that kind of stuff, building the various rigs. I mean, because I am also a key rigging grip and rigging grip as well. And I mean, we build various apparatus. It's like for doing nighttime scenes, you know, they'll, we, we'll take a 80-foot uh, man lift condor and we build a 12-foot by 12-foot by 4-foot tall box that we wrap in rags of very, uh, usually a, maybe a quarter uh, grid or something like that. Yeah. And the lights are in it. And then you hang that up above the set and that gives you moonlight. Yeah. And building stuff like that is just a kick in the butt, you know. Uh, We've, uh, what do you build that? Is that aluminum truss? Or? No, no, it's uh, all built out of speed rail. We use a okay. inch, inch, inch and a quarter speed rail and fittings. Okay. And uh, but then a lot of the a lot of the rigs that 
you bill for cars are all built out of speed rail too it's like yeah i did uh, i did that thing uh thunderdome you know and traveling nascar circuit where i hung the 65 millimeter cameras off the side of uh uh, uh jimmy spencer's car and uh hell who'd i have on that i had had jimmy spencer dale jarrett dale earnhardt and um what's his face but i had them at my disposal i could, yeah. I could take their cars and and you know it's there's there's a lot of pleasure when you, you strap a camera on three foot outside this car and send them around Talladega at 170 miles an hour, you know, and it comes back. <laughs> they didn't screw it up, and that's good. Right. <laughs> I guess as the bookend, or as a sort of bookend to that, uh, what are the what makes it difficult? What are the, what are the challenges of of doing the kind of work that you do? We're basically engineers on the fly. Hmm. all right you know i mean i'll come up with some idea and uh and then to be able to make that happen safely it's like we did a uh i did a, a show not long ago where we're inside this room and and the director wanted he wanted this circular track well they only make circular track in certain dimensions well, we and it didn't fill the room up. We, instead of the what is uh, basically the, the the twenty foot in diameter track, that wasn't big enough. Well, the next size is is something like I don't know, uh, I forget what it is, forty something feet, I think it is. Yeah. But so we were in between that. And I said, well, look, let's just build our own track. What do you mean, build our own track? Well, you go down to the you go down to the pipe store, you know. And these days, you can get there's a there's, there's actually a pipe bend in place. We took it to out to oh, in New Orleans East, and they have a machine that bends at a certain radius, mm-hmm. and they can do it over and over and over again. Well, I had steel pipe. I had them. I told them what I wanted. I wanted a, a, a track that was thirty foot in diameter, the outside rail, and then on the inside rail, I wanted two feet off of that. So, you know, and they went okay. And so we built our own damn track, and made the and 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 made it happen, because that's what the director wanted. Hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. So I mean, so, you know, so you that, can that, do. Uh, I mean, hell, you got the time and the money. I can do anything. Watch so, this. So <laughs> that doesn't sound like. Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting, Wells. I think there's something. Uh, there's something here because I've asked you a question, like sort of like what is there not to like about the job, and you've told me something you like. I think. <laughs> I, you know what? I'll tell you what I don't like about the job a lot of time. I mean, everybody thinks this is all glamorous and all that stuff, right? Yeah. But let me tell you right now. When you see that sunrise shot, I was there two hours before that setting that up. Right. When you're sitting out there and you're seeing all that snow, guess what? We're out in the damn snow. I had them. When I did that show in Alaska, I had the producers call me up. You know, I knew them, and they were like, man, we want you to come to Alaska to come do this show. I was like, man, I ain't never been to Alaska. Cool. Uh, you going to pay me to go to Alaska? Great. Now, look, I'm this coon ass from Louisiana, right? I get there. We scattered. Everything was fine. Boy, I mean, when we got there and we started filming where they had the earliest winter hit ever, and uh, we were doing exteriors, and it's minus 30 degrees. And we're standing on ice for 12 hours a day. That's what I don't like about the job. <laughs> and you're sitting there, you're going, who you got to slap to get off this show? 
<laughs> but you sign on, you know, you just, you, 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 right. you, you, you keep on going. What kind of gear keeps you from freezing to death in that kind of weather? Uh, funny you ask. Uh, we had, uh, before I put on my heavy stuff, I had four layers on. Okay. And then you put on the heavy stuff. And when if you ever get in that situation, just know this. You sit there and you're on the set, you get all your stuff on, you look like an eight year old your mother dressed. And uh and and you go, Hmm, I have to go to the bathroom. Go. <laughs> go right then and go. <laughs> because it takes you about fifteen minutes to uh disrobe just so you can go to go to the head. <laughs> so don't as soon as you're aware that it might be an issue, go ahead and yeah, start so taking it, action it, it, right go, away. Go head for it. Get out of here. <laughs> you don't want to be an accident and piss on yourself because then that'll freeze. <laughs> right. Oh boy. Um, and then but it's like, well, you know, uh, let's uh I'm, I'm thinking, uh, I, I did a show in Florida, and I'm thinking, oh, good, it'll be all nice and all that stuff. Well, hell, uh, uh, I'd say 75% of the show is down on this beach. Okay, well, that might be nice and all that kind of stuff, but let's trudge across the sand carrying dollies and setting dolly track up in it. Let's go trudge across the sand setting up, you know, uh, 20 buys for, for bounces and all this stuff with the wind howling through off the beach. And so... Even the nicest places that you can think of to go, it's not. I mean, it's a pain <laughs> in the butt, <laughs> you right. know, to to because you still got the same gear. Right. It's always the same gear. It's just a different place where you're putting it. Is all. I love the uh, the the technology that has come about with the uh, in the lighting portion of this. They have all the new LED lights and everything now, and uh, the, the sky panels and blah, 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 and all that yes, kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, nowadays, they have the settings in it, whereas what we would have to do is gel those lights with color-corrective gel. Let's call it, you know, well, CTO, you know. Um, right. Color, My, color yeah. temperature orange is what they do. Right, and, or minus um, green. Yeah, or, yeah, all that. Well, now they just dial it up on their laptop and send it up to the light, and they we don't have to gel all these things anymore. Yeah. All right. So that's that's saved uh, me work along the way. Yeah. In the electric side of this, when you're lighting the set, the technology that they have now is just unbelievable from the things that we used to do. But guess what? Grip department. We still use C-stands. We still use the combos. We still use all the stuff. It's the same thing that we've been using for the past 25 years. Every once in a while, you, we used to have Mafer clamps. Well, now there's Cardellini clamps. And boy, somebody came up with that new design. And so it's like, man, this is great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to mount a light on, on some pipe somewhere or something like that. Uh, or what you call a speed C. Uh, speed C is a C clamp that is in two pieces that you is you can connect by a piece of speed rail, inch and a quarter speed right, rail. Yeah. So you can make a, I can make a C clamp that that spans ten feet, but it's still a C clamp. Right. Right. We don't have the, and I mean, believe me, a thirty-five pound sandbag, still a thirty-five pound sandbag. I don't care if it was forty years ago, if it's yesterday. So I think a lot of folks interested in filmmaking. You know, there are people who end up working in the movies, and there are people who end up working in a cor- sort of a corporate setting mm-hmm. or a creative services sort of yeah. setting. 
Uh, and it, you were getting ready to tell me about that a little bit when I cut you off, so I apologize. But I'm curious how how that compared for you, like what what it felt like working there versus like well, what I felt you're like I was in a cage. Yeah. You know, I mean, after uh, being on location, doing all the stuff so long, and you know, I mean, they believe me, look, they offered me a lot of money and everything else to be there, and and, and I tried, I yeah. tried my damnedest, and uh, but that's just not me. I can't do it. You know, there and there are a lot of people that yes, you're right. They they go into that uh, that area of the business, but they don't like working a 12-hour day out in some godforsaken location. Yeah. And I mean, that, nine times out of 10, that's that's us. We work a 12-hour day. And usually it's, uh, you know, on, a, on here comes Friday, and they've worked it out. So you're working at a night on a Friday, and we, we, we lovingly call it a Friday day because usually you're getting off at about the, uh, the crack of dawn on Saturday morning. And so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hard business. It's a hard business to do. And you got to want to do this you know and en- enjoy it i mean it's a different lifestyle yeah it's like when we did interview at the vampire that was uh six months of nights whoa that was before you know vampires could actually see the light of day you know i mean that's you'd go to work at sundown and you'd get off at sunrise yeah we filmed that during the uh what i like to call the rainy season and they would come in down in the French Quarter. We had three or four blocks blocked off for us. They'd set uh, this, you know, uh, thick plastic visqueen down over the streets, then come in with truckloads of dirt because it was a period show, right? Oh, I see. And so that way, the you know, the, the, the dirt wouldn't get down into the drains down into the French Quarter. Right. Well, then it'd start raining. Well, the rain didn't have anywhere to go. I mean, and then the horses would come through, and they through all of it. And so we walked around up to our, uh, uh, our knees in, in mud for, you know, six months. And, son, you got you to gotta love this business if you want to continue on. <laughs> you want to stay on and do this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because <laughs> every night, you know, I mean, it was just, it was just miserable, just miserable conditions. Philippe Roussoulet, he was a DP. He, uh, he shot in real, real light, low light levels and all this stuff. And I mean, it was, uh, it was an experience. It was quite an experience. Like I say, it's rough conditions. Yeah. You gotta, you, you gotta love this to do it. Do you see people come in who can't hack it? Oh yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah, all the time. How's that go? Well, they have to. They they. They usually last about three or four days, and then they, you know, well, I just, I, I'm not feeling good. Well, you better go on home. Then you never hear from them again. And uh, you see a lot of people that they want to do it. They think this is grand. But the first time you get that walking around up in the mud up to here, well, that changes your tune. You know, it's not all, it's not all glamour and glitz and glamour by any way, shape, or form. It's a job. Yeah. Can you see it coming? Like, when you see new people arrive, can you tell which ones are going to wash out? No, not really. Um, 
what's the surprise is, is you think that they're going to wash out, and it turns out that they're the best damn things you've ever met. Oh, interesting. All right? That's, that's the surprise. Because everybody wants to get out here and try and do it. Yeah. All right? And then there are those that you look at and you go, ah, he'll never make this. And then turns out, you know, there's a couple of guys along the way that I have, uh, I have brought along in this business, and now they are key grips in their own right. Yeah. And it's, you know, that, that does my heart good to see my kids come up like this, you know, and, yeah. they're, and they're, they're now the boss and doing the, doing the job. And that's, that's good. You know, I, it, it tickles me to death. You know, I know I'm on the downside of my career. I mean, I've actually, I actually tried to retire, uh, and then that lasted for about seven months. And, you know, I live out on the bayou, so I promptly put 15 pounds of fillets in my freezer. I can only fish so much. <laughs> Cut the grass, work on the house, ride the motorcycle, ride, the, you know, my boat. Yeah. And when I realized that within about a 45-mile radius of my house, I knew every bar and they knew me, I said, I got to go back to work. <laughs> and so, so I've... Uh, I do some day playing work for some of the guys. I'm actually I'm going to go to work uh, this this Thursday and Friday on a show that uh, uh, I know the guys on the grip crew and they they've asked me they need some extra manpower and they asked me to come in and do it and I was like sure I'll come and play. Cool. You know. So how how many days are you working at this point? Oh, I don't. You know, it it varies. Um, maybe uh, ten or twelve days in November. Okay. You know. Um, well, you know, and if, if somebody's not used to sort of what it means to work in movies, working 10 or 12 days, that's, that's some work out, oh, yeah. of, out of a month, you know? Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> it is. Um, there's, a, there's a show coming to town, and uh, I've always said, like, I, I don't want to do something full-time again because I'm, I'm enjoying... Um, being able to just pick up and get off on hell I've been out on my motorcycle I've done four trips down the Gulf Coast and I rode it up into Georgia and had a big old time I've been having a ball doing that okay hell I put 13,000 miles on my motorcycle last year (laughs) but there's a show coming in and the director of photography uh, I've worked with previously and uh, he's uh, uh, Dante Spinote he's uh, okay yeah um and when I when I saw his name on the production report that the, that the, I went, you know what, if 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 he wants me to come out and play, I'm gonna come do this show with him. I mean, he's just a jewel. I just loved Dante. I've worked with him, like I say before. Like I say, he's just just uh, a, a jewel to work with and work for. We had a good time, and uh, I'd be uh, I'd be happy to come out and and play again with him, you know. And, and take on another show full time. So you, you're saying if the if the right opportunity is there, you're not opposed to, uh, to doing a, a full time stretch. It's going to have to be somebody like Dante that I want to work with. Sure. Uh, you know, a, or a director that I know that I've that I've worked with previously, and you know, I don't have to chase that brass ring anymore. Yeah. You know, I'm. I'm perfectly content sitting at the house. I had somebody call me not long ago, and they were wanting me to do this show and this and that. I was like, well, I'm, you know, uh, well, I, you know, it's, it's going to take this and this and this. Well, we don't have that. You know, we've only got this amount of money for you and everything else. And I'm like, you know, partner, I don't need this job. I don't need the credits. I don't need to have my name run on your show. I said, so you need to find somebody else, because if you want me to do this job, it's going to cost you. 
<laughs> it's going to cost you a lot. Yeah. And for me to bring my me and my people out, this is what it's going to take. If you can't do that, well, you'll find somebody else cuz I didn't need this job. You you call me. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. There's a reason you got my name. <laughs> right. And <laughs> I don't need the job. What are some of your um favorite shows to work on? Oh, hell, to this day, still Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 is about my, my favorite to, uh, to play on, I yeah. swear. We had every uh, every every camera crane that uh, Chapman ever produced at one point in time on that show. And so, you know, I got to work with them all. It was great. You know, I mean, we actually, um, the whole show was storyboarded, literally Every scene was storyboarded, even down to the fight scenes. They were they were choreographed and storyboarded. You could actually you could take the you could take the uh, um, uh, uh, the storyboard. And you could do like this and flip through it, and you could watch the movie. And so we went in, and it was all you know. Here's the scenes that we're going to shoot on on stage five today, and uh, and we'd shoot those scenes, and then we'd go home. You know, we did a we did a twelve hour day every day, and it was twelve hours. And I can say, I know, because I was the best boy. I kept the timesheets. And in, the, in uh, the three and a half months we filmed that show, we accumulated an hour and 30 minutes of overtime. Whoa, that's not much at all. That's nothing. That in three months. What's, what's more normal? Oh, God. Doing 13, 14, 15-hour days on a phone. And then, I mean, on those shows, you make a lot of money. Yeah. All right. The ones but, where you're doing overtime. You're out. Yeah, you yeah. make a you make a you make a pile of money. Of course, you know you 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 need a uh, you need to get a massage and take a vacation at the end of it, you know, because they just beat you up constantly. Right. right. Uh, Twelve hour day is a norm. What's the I don't norm? know. I don't know if What's I don't know if longest? you've ever seen my uh, the angle of tolerance. I have. I have. Yes, it's a little thing I came up with over the years. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, it started out just, you know, uh, uh, time and creativity, and you got 12 hours to do it in. Well, inevitably, at the, you know, at the last hour and a half of the day, you know, you're trying to get 25 shots in, <laughs> and the last hour and a half of the day, they do, you know, uh, 10 shots get off. You know, if you apply that mindset to your whole day, and you make your day. <laughs> but right. then what happens is, is that, well, now we're going into the 13th hour. Well, time becomes money, and creativity becomes aggravation, and it exponentially increases as the day goes on. Because when you get to about uh, your fifteenth hour, you're ready to smack the hell out of somebody somewhere along the line. It's it's crazy. What's the longest day that you've worked? Twenty six hours. Uh, what? what hell, happened? man! I'll, I'll tell you right now. Uh, the the show that I did, I made the most money on was on True Lies when we were out in Squaw Valley and doing the opening sequences in True Lies. And because uh, we had to rig all the slopes and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, when Jim Cameron got there and, uh, and we started shooting, we rolled over right into it with first unit and all this stuff. We were in meal penalty with on a seventh day in blah, you know, just it, it there's a lot of union rules and regulations that take place. But I went to work one day. I went to work making $211 an hour knowing I was going into double time. <laughs> and it's like, 
hell, I'm stainless steel. Come on down, Jim Cameron. I can do I make I do this all day. Let's go. <laughs> hell, I bought tires in my truck. I, bought, <laughs> I mean, I had a large time on that. So uh, how many how many hours did you make that rate for? I think we did a sixteen hour day. And so it at eight you go into uh time and a half. Right. And then at uh, 12, it was double time. And at 15, you go into golden time, which is triple time. And so we only had an, an hour of that. But all in all, I yeah. mean, come on down. <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderful. But that was another time, though. It was minus 20 degrees up in Squaw Valley when we were filming all that stuff. And I was like, jeez. Up and down the mountains. I mean, it was nuts. So do you think that the money is the reason that there's not more outrage for the long hours? Because I, I think if you if you applied those working hours to a lot of other industries, people will just say, like, I'm no. not doing that. Right. <laughs> no. Right. I personally have seen a lot of unsafe things that have taken place on a set. Yeah. And then... You have, you have I any, mean, years ago... It, you have it, any anonymous stories you can tell <laughs> about unsafe things you've yeah. seen? I was working with this director of photography, and we were mentioning names, but yeah. <clears throat> we're working, we're doing nighttime scenes, and we're setting up, you know, it's still, still daylight. And he tells me, he says, uh, well, I, I need you to black these lights out, these street lights was down here on Poydras. It's here in town. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and uh, I told him, I said, well, you, you really don't need to block those lights out because these are just decoration. Those are the street lights up there that work. These don't even work. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm good. So we're off doing this, and we're spread out all over the place. I'm going to check this out, going to check this out. going to, And, hell, I come back, back out, you know, around from doing what I'm doing, and I look over there, and he's had two of my guys go get the 12-step ladder off the grip truck, and he's got them climbing up on it. That it, it's still at 12 feet. They almost they, they still had to reach. I'm I'm probably from here to that building away from them over there, and uh, I'm like, what the hell are they doing? And they're trying to put duvetine over these over these lights that don't work. Well, and the ones you already told them that that did not work. Yeah. Yes. And he insisted on putting it. And so as I'm sitting there watching it, they got big old tall globes. I bet you them globes stood three foot up on top of that damn thing. You know, thick glass and all this. And as they were trying to reach out and do something with it, they hit it and knocked the globe off. Almost, almost took my, he almost fell down. He grabbed hold of the, the post and held himself up. The globe almost took my guy out down there, and there was a PA down there as well. I almost took two of them out, and I come unglued. Let's just say that I cussed him up one side and down the other, and I told him, I said, you don't ever tell my people what to do ever again. I, I said, well, I'm, I'm going to take you right behind that building right there, and I'm, we're going to talk. <laughs> uh, he don't call me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Did the globe shatter everywhere? Yeah. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> it broke like a big dog. 
when people are kids and they think, oh, I want to work in the movies, they're usually not Im- imagining oh, no, the, the part of the, the work that you're talking about. So what, who, who makes a good fit with that and what advice would you give them? Well, you got to you got to be good with your hands. Yeah. You know, you've, you've got to have uh, experience uh, working with some tools and all that kind of business. You know, because, I mean, we believe me, uh, saws, drills, all that kind of stuff. We use that a lot. Uh, and to be able to think on your feet, you know, to solve a problem. It's like I, I did not know how to do that. I came up working for Bob Babin, who was a third-generation grip out of, out of California, who taught me the trade. As far as advice, get out and try it yeah. and see. And yes, yeah, uh, uh, a lot of people, when you talk about, you know, that, well, let's, let's work in a, I'm, I'm going to make movies and this and that. Well, I don't think they realize just how many jobs there are on a, on a, on a film set. Yeah. You know, because it's not just grips. You know, you like working with uh, lights and electricity and all that stuff. The electricians are out there, right? Yeah, but be, yeah, but let's say you're a good carpenter. Yeah. Well, you know, they where do you think they build the sets? Who does that? There's so many things that take place on a film set. Uh, you know, the uh, property masters. You know, uh, uh, stunts, special effects. Yeah. You know, all that, all, all that kind of stuff. There's there's a niche for someone in some area of the business. And I mean, even if you like sitting around pushing numbers, well, guess what? We got accountants in the office. And so there is something for everyone. And if you get out there and want to try it, you know, uh, you'll find you, you know, uh, you'll find your, your, your spot. Yeah. Or you'll go, this is stupid, and leave. (laughs) (laughs) So how how does, um, you've worked uh, in Los Angeles, in Nashville, you spent time in Chattanooga, and you're originally from here in New Orleans, Mm -hmm. right? And now, and you came back. So can, can you talk to me a little bit about how New Orleans compares to the different places that you've worked? And uh, what are your favorite things about new, uh, you know, working here in New Orleans? Well, I mean, first off is the food. I mean, because we got good food here. If you don't like what catering's doing, usually around the corner there's a hell of a restaurant you can go get something, okay? Uh, There's not a whole lot of difference in making films in one city or the other. Mm. Making films is making films. It's like the equipment I'm telling you about. It doesn't change. Just the locations change. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. I I totally agree with you, but I've been traveling and I have seen some differences. Like uh Cleveland, Ohio doesn't have a sound stage. Oh, right. And, no, but you know so, what? There's there's a there's a there's an empty warehouse building over there that they'll that's what they'll use. Yes. And we do that too here. Really? Yeah. Yes, there's only uh there's only a couple of real sound stages here in town. Okay. But you work in uh warehouse space quite a bit. Yes. Okay. All the time. And I would say also like Chicago, for example, which they do have stages, but um, it is uh, it's so cold in the winter. Like, oh, uh, you know, right. the, the weather does make a difference. Right. Oh, um, yeah. And, and Oh, it, believe me, yes. <laughs> it seems like New Orleans has uh, 
you know, it's um, late November right now. It's pretty mild here compared oh, to when yeah. I left Tennessee. Yes, indeed. Uh, we're not running heat or air in here uh, right now, and it's no, perfect. No, but I mean, it's um, we have a climate that is conducive to filmmaking because you can film year-round. All right? Yeah. I mean, let's face it. You can't do that everywhere. What's it like here in the summertime? It seems like the winters are mild. Well, in the summertime, it can be uh, uh, vicious. Super hot. I'm talking talking hot. And humid. Oh, and humid. Yeah. Hell, you you know... you know, it's like out in Phoenix. They they go, man, we get it gets so hot out here. We fry eggs on the sidewalk. I go, boy, where I come from, we poach them. You know, <laughs> uh, that's a good one. <laughs> and uh, um, summers can be brutal. Uh, the 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 bugs uh, working nights. We were working over by the Atchafalaya Basin uh, doing this show. I'd set up. We had a um, uh, 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 the uh, 50,000 watt soft sun up on what is uh, on uh, 80 foot condor. Is that an HMI source? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but but it's 50,000 watts. It's a right. big old damn it's thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it puts out some light. And we set it all up and all that stuff. And uh, all the, uh, the camera crew had come in out of New York and LA and all this stuff. And, I mean, it was hot. And so. I said, "Well, guys, I'm going to get ready. It's going to uh, sun's going to drop in about a about a half hour, and we're going we're going to start. So I'm going to go ahead and change, and get get in and off to the truck. I went. Well, I come back out, and I'd taken my shorts off and all that, and I got long sleeves on that you know that blouse that I tied on and, and boots, and I got yeah. long I got I got a long sleeve shirt on. And I had a pith helmet with a mosquito net on it, and they all looked at me like, "What the hell are you doing?" I said, "Well, in about." Another 45 minutes, you're going to find out. <laughs> and when we turn that light on, I'm telling you what, they, we brought bugs in from Texas. These poor old boys the next day, they look like one big bug bite. <laughs> uh, they, it, it, was just, it was just amazing. And the next day, they come out and they got all their lotion on, all the bites that they had endured over the night. And, uh, and they were all wearing long sleeves and pants <laughs> and stuff. So they started watching me what I wore whenever we'd go. Because, I mean, I'm from here. I know how to deal with this. We have a climate that you must learn how to deal with. We got mud. When you start getting equipment out in the swamps and dealing with that gumbo mud, you better know what the hell you're doing around it. You You know, because otherwise... It'll sink out of sight. Oh, and I got stories about that. Uh, there's, there's probably a, out in that swamp out by St. Bernard. Uh, I bet you there's still that condor that's out there. Um, <laughs> you guys lost the condor out there? Oh, we they had set it all up back in the back, and, and I had one of the electricians. He calls me on the radio. Well, well, you need to come see this. Come see this. Where are you? And he says I'm at the I'm at the the, the far condor down that down this road. It's, it was just this little bitty ass lane dirt road that they had driven down there and i couldn't believe it when i got to it and this damn thing had sank up to the axle i i swear to god i really don't know if they ever got it out i really don't know hmm. i'll never forget I, I i told mike i said hold on a minute i said hey somebody send me a flag out here i, I said i give me anybody got an american flag and he went what do you want that for? 
I said, because I'm going to put the arm up on this on this condor, and I'm going to put a flag up on it, so in case it sinks all the way to the basket, we can find this damn thing at one point, you know? <laughs> and, and, and they all thought that was funny as hell. But I'm going to tell you right now, I swear to God, I think that condor is still out in that swamp. To the best of my knowledge, I don't think it ever can. They, they couldn't get it out. It literally sank up, and it sank up past the turret. Wow. So, actually, uh, you live not too far from, is it? called uh, Bayou Corn, where they had yeah. that um, the sinkhole. The sinkhole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that sinkhole is exactly 15 miles due north of me. Okay. And it's, you got to go across uh, uh, Lake Verrett, and uh, and you get you get up there to Bayou Corn. When it first went down, they said, well, yeah, if, you, if it explodes, you'll see it, and then you'll feel the concussion. And I'm like, well, this isn't good. Don't tell me that. You know? No, I mean, I live out in the middle of the swamp, actually. I truly live in the swamp yeah i live on my family property that's been in my family for over 160 years wow and and pardon when i tell you i live in the swamp it's the swamp (laughs) it's great you know it's all cypress swamp all around me you know uh, i can walk out my my bedroom on my back deck and, and i can fish anytime i want it's it's wonderful so what's the cost of living like down here? I, you know, I, I talked uh, oh. until just recently. I had I've driven this bus all the way across the country, gone all all the way up the west coast, up into Montana, and all all I've driven all all over the place, and I had yet to find a cheaper place to buy diesel than the exit that I live on in Tennessee, until last night. Really? Yeah, diesel is less here here in New Orleans than it is at home, and I've never seen a place with diesel for less than just a mile from my house well i mean um i mean we make pretty good money at this yeah all right and so we have a huge impact on the economy is that because of incentive money is that what's helping bring production oh, yeah. in? yeah the, uh, okay. the tax incentive money helps a lot uh i mean you'll see various uh studies pro and con but for every dollar that is given out in a tax incentive there's seven dollars that come back because of it. Yeah, well, that's a good return. Yeah, but it's I mean, it's not. You yeah. see, we've only we we don't have that many people in our union here, but the ancillary companies that we have an effect upon. Well, Wells, it has been a pleasure. It's been too, far too long since we've gotten yes, to see each other. Yeah. It has. It has. I'm just tickled to death to have you here, and I and I want you to talk to the uh, to to some of the other guys too. Yeah, for sure. You know, just like I say, I'm on the. Uh, the downside of my career now and i've i've thoroughly enjoyed it and if i can impart any knowledge i mean i'm i'm going to uh, start teaching a couple of classes here at the union hall okay and uh and do that where should if somebody hears this and and wants to uh learn more about those courses what they do. Oh hell, uh, uh, just uh, local four seventy eight in New Orleans. That's you can Google that. Okay. And uh, and get in touch with the just get in touch with the union office down here, and because the some of the classes that we're doing are for people who aren't in the business that want to be in the business. So uh, there's the opportunity if you want to you want to want to try and do that. And uh, and I think Corey touched on it uh, with you earlier, but you know it's getting ready to be busy, and we uh, we have a need for people, yeah, to be in this business, yeah. And like I say, I thoroughly enjoyed it. 
I wouldn't do anything else. I'm not even qualified to go flip burgers at Burger King. You know, I mean, this is all I know. This is it. You know, I just, I love every minute of it. I wouldn't do it. If they say, well, if you had it all to do over again, I'd do the same damn thing. I swear to God. I wouldn't. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good to hear. Yes, it did. Sounds like you made some good choices along the way. Yes, I have. Yeah. Yes, I have. And it's been uh, it's been my pleasure, you know. Well, Wells, thanks again. Okay. And, um, David, we'll, thank we'll you. We'll have to make sure we don't. it's not uh, 12 years or something between now and the next time <laughs> we see each other. So there you go. Wells Smith, folks. Uh, I've got a link to his IMDb page in the show notes, so make sure and check that out and stay tuned. I've got a whole bunch of good interviews on the way, so make sure you stay tuned and check out what's coming up next. I look forward to sharing more with all of you again next week. 